0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. The real
1: estate market in Vancouver continues to pick up a little bit of steam. New numbers from the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver says prices are up just a bit. But what happens in the fall? I'm Martin Strong, and in a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. We'll get his take on the real estate market in the Lower Mainland. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news from the past week. New Health Canada warning labels for cigarettes took effect this week. And not just on the packs. These new messages are on the individual cigarettes. And they have such cheerful slogans on them as... Quote, poison in every puff. Other messages mention organ damage, leukemia, and impotence. The Canadian Cancer Society figures the tough language will convince teenagers not to smoke, but some smokers, like 40-year-old Giovanni Lincour from Montreal, says he doesn't think the warnings will change much. He believes even higher taxes would make a better deterrent. A Vancouver dietician is worried the Osembic craze could have damaging effects on people with eating disorders. Ali Eberhardt says the drug's widespread promotion as a way to lose weight quickly feeds into a culture of dieting and weight shaming and can be a trigger for patients with eating disorders. She says it sends the message that people should pursue being thin at any cost while Osembic is supposed to be a drug to treat obesity that poses a threat to a person's health. General Motors is recalling nearly 900 vehicles from the 2013 model year in Canada and the U.S. that are equipped with Takata airbag inflators that could explode and hurl shrapnel in a crash. The recall covers Chevy Camaros, Sonic and Volt vehicles, as well as the Buick Verano. In the 2013 model year, the inflators are among a group made by Takata that is under investigation, but has not previously been recalled. In the U.S., regulators there are investigating about a dozen complaints about a loss of steering control or the loss of power steering in 2023 Tesla models 3&Y vehicles. The U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the probe covers about 280,000 vehicles. This is at least the fifth investigation involving Tesla vehicles in the past three years. The others include crashes while running on the autopilot partially automated driving system, also suspension failures, steering wheels that can fall off, and front seat belts that may not connect properly. And there may be a strike going on by actors and writers in the U.S., but the movie business is going strong at the theaters, especially here in Canada. Cineplex set a record last month, taking in more than $86 million in box office revenue across the country as people headed to the theater to see Barbie and Oppenheimer. The Toronto-based cinema chain with theaters right across the country, and especially here in Vancouver, uh, says Barbie generated the highest July attendance at its theaters, followed by Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Cineplex says... 6.8 6.8 million moviegoers visited its theaters last month, and that it also scored its second highest monthly premium box office revenue of all time. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we're going to talk real estate and how this summer is going, real estate-wise. We'll hear from John Carlson, better known as Johnny SmartPoint. His website is johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues. On CKNW.
0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and it's time to talk real estate. The Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver says prices in the Lower Mainland are up, but just a bit, They say the average price of a home here sat at just over $1.2 million. That's up 0.6% from last month. And it's up 0.5% from this time last year. That was a time when the market was absorbing the first interest rate hikes that we had seen in many years. And we're now into August, which is traditionally a slow month. So let's check in and see what's going on with our man on the ground in the trenches of the Vancouver real estate market in all the different areas of the Lower Mainland. Our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty, you know him as Johnny Smart Point. His website is johnnysmartpoint.com. You can give him a call at 604-612-0080. Hi, John. How are you doing?
2: Hey, Martin. I'm doing great. I hope you are as well.
1: Yeah. So I was mentioning August, traditionally a slow month, um, and it's obviously very early in August, but uh, is it sort of living up to that reputation or are you sort of foreseeing a busy time for you?
2: Well, you know, it's early in August, of course. Um, And, you know, it's nice to hear some of your recap on the stats because you've got a good grasp on what's going on statistically in the market. you know, but sometimes the stats don't really tell the whole story and, you know, you can overanalyze things a little bit. But if, if we want to talk about August, um, you know, August traditionally has been a time of, you know, there's kind of two sides to it. Statistically, August can be a slow month because, as we all know, this is a great time to take holidays. Uh, I'll be taking a little bit of time myself off this month. Um and, you know, maybe people aren't necessarily there. In other words, if you're not real serious about buying a house or selling a house at, in during August, you're not doing it because there's lots mm-hmm. of other things to do and family and time off and holidays booked and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, this year is kind of an interesting year because, you know, and we're going to talk a lot about the interest rate hikes that have happened and how those are processing their way through the market, you know, month after month. But I've had a couple of sales recently and we're going to talk about those in a little bit, if you don't mind. Um where, you know, buyers have said, hey, I want to, you know, on my listings, they've come to come to us and written offers and said, hey, we like the house, but we need to complete a little quicker than you would like, because our interest rate guarantee, our hold, if you will, is going to expire. and, And once it does, we can't afford this house anymore. So this August, again, the number of people out there are probably going to be less than they would be in, say, September or July in terms of buyers looking at homes and listings sellers putting new houses on the market but some of those ones out there are kind of under the gun if you know what i mean martin they Mm -hmm. you know they've got an interest rate hold they've got an affordability budget and they want they don't want to lose that so there's that and then and then there's always the case where some people want to have a purchase and even if they don't move in in august they've got a purchase and an address that you know allows them to be in a certain school area before kids you know go to school and there's always that sort of a that nesting sort of instinct where you want to get in before your kids are at school so august is an interesting month i you know i always do a fair bit of business in the summer because the sun is out. I'm energized. It feels good. And you know, the market overall is pretty healthy. So I'm, I'm anticipating a fairly busy August. Uh, and I guess we're just going to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you've had uh, some pretty interesting sales uh, that to me, you were telling me off the air about some of the, some of the sales that have gone through and they seem like, real evidence that it's good to have a professional on your side, someone who has a lot of experience, because sometimes the, the deals get a little bit complicated.
2: You know, it's, it's funny that you, that you hit it right on the head. Um, I hear statistics uh, spoken, I read statistics, and I think, you know, boy, it depends on how you look at things and, you know, what are you comparing it to? And, and right now, I think that, you know, the market, you, you, you really do need an agent, I think, who is... Currently busy, who has been busy recently, who knows these markets, because it's you know these numbers, uh, you know, and 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 feelings of what's going on in the market, they don't apply uh, universally or evenly throughout different segments and different market segments. For instance, you know, I was looking at the stats this morning prior to the program, and I thought it was really interesting because you know, statistically, for instance, we we look at things like sale to list ratios in in real estate, and and that would be if you can imagine all of the listings on a month-to-month basis, so from the first of the month to the end of the month, in any segment, how many of those are selling? And so, you know, I thought it was kind of a little bit shocking when I looked at West Vancouver detached houses. Last month in July of 2023, we saw a 5% sale-to-list ratio, meaning month over month from the beginning to end of July, the total number of listings in detached housing in in West Vancouver, 5% of them sold 1 in 20, whereas you go to North Vancouver, it's a 30% ratio. Uh, or if you were to look in areas, you know, out in Langley and the Fraser Valley, some of these areas in, in condos, it's a completely different situation. So affordability is playing a big part in this, Martin, uh, with interest rates going up and higher price properties are a little bit tougher to sell right now. Uh, so, you know, I hate to paint the market with a with a, a, a large brush, if you will, and say, you know, uh, you know, because overall, it's true that prices are marginally up or down compared to last year at this time and last month. But each segment is different and, and, you know, you have to really look at what you're offering in your segment and how much competition you have. Uh, you know, if you want to come up with a good, solid plan to, you know, get your house sold for the best possible price in the, in the proper timeline.
1: We're talking to John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint, johnnysmartpoint.com is where you can find him online. Uh, if you go to his website, you can see uh, the new listings that he has up there. You can also give John a call, 604-612-0080, or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John, I think you kind of touched on uh, why uh, statistics can often be misleading and why you need someone who, who kind of understands the market Uh, sort of holistically, because you deal with all parts of the lower mainland and we're looking at these stats and they say that, you know, prices are up 0.6% from last month, 0.5% from from last year. And I guess there's two things about that. These statistics, A, are a month old. And you're there every day and you're seeing, you know, daily, daily statistics. You're seeing what's going on in real time as opposed to month old statistics. But also, like you say, um, it's different wherever you are and not every every area is the same. And this is just a big conglomeration of numbers, a big average. So that's why it's so important to have someone who really knows what's going on and is in there every day.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I mean, the statistics we're looking in the rearview mirror, and and you know, even just listening to you talk, I realize that I'm still on a day to day basis. I guess you could say trying to figure out the market myself. And and what I mean by that is, you know, I may have a listing in a segment, and there may be, or I might be doing an evaluation in a segment, and I call the other agents that have listings, and you know, I take a look at them first, and I come to my own conclusions. Does this look like a really sharp listing? Uh, you know, is the price. Lower than the rest, and they're and they're maybe holding off offers until you know later next week. Meaning the strategy is to price sharp and hopefully get some action and maybe push the price up. Or have they been on the market thirty days and the price hasn't changed at all and they're still there? In in either case, I I call agents and have discussions like most of us do, and I, you know I, I feel things out. How are you doing? How are the showings? Do you have offers? Have you had offers collapse? These sorts of things. And and so again, I think that's what an active agent does: is you're constantly. Uh, gathering information and processing it throughout the lens of your experience and, and, and trying to come up with information that will give your clients an advantage. Because right now, I think in this market, one of the best things an agent can do is helping a seller identify what their advantages might be. Again, a property, you don't have to sell to everybody, you only have to sell to one person. But where do you shake out when it comes to you know, specific advantages that you might have over the competition and identifying those and promoting those are are important right now because the total number of sales is not that high. Our sales are still under fairly well, I think, what, 20% on average under the 10-year averages for sales in any particular area. But the the saving grace for sellers right now is we're still in a low inventory situation. So if there's only three or four or five or six maybe options out there for buyers, but there aren't that many buyers, you want to really make sure you're positioned to attract that buyer when they're ready to write an offer. And so a lot of that has to do with, you know, of course, you can always just drop your price, but that's not the way to, you know, that's not the smartest way. The smart way to do it is to make sure you're priced uh, according to the market, but really promote some of those, you know, advantages that you you might have, whether they be maybe a triple garage or a park across the street or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So again, yeah, you're right at you, Martin. Get somebody who knows the market well enough to help you interpret it and give you good advice. And then, you know, when I m- meet with my clients, we tend to try to put a path forward that, that would lead to a successful outcome.
1: Right. And how? here's a general question. How important is it to come to, to determine a, an initial asking price and to be priced properly? How important is that?
2: Well, it, it's the ideal, I think. And, and that can be tricky in a market that's changing. You know, and it, I've had a few uh, appointments lately where I've met with people and I've, I've said to them, you know quite frankly, I'm not 100% sure. Here's the number where I would be if this were my house and my money, but we have to pay attention to the market right now because there are several listings out there that have you know been on in a similar price range and they have not effectively you know sold the property. So, ideally, the best thing is to hit the market at the right price, you know, right off the bat. Because if you can imagine, Martin, when you're new on the market, you get the most attention. You automatically get emailed to people who have got their automatic notification system set up for new listings. So you get that. Uh, You also have a psychological advantage as a new listing, kind of the new kid on the block where people pay a lot of attention, of course. And when you hit the market as a new listing, if you're not priced well, you kind of waste a lot of that momentum. So it's always a fine line. When I do an evaluation, I need to understand the the goals and motivations of my clients. Some people want a quick sale and are prepared to price accordingly. Other people, most of them need every penny they can get from the sale in order to purchase their next home. So hitting the market at the right price is really key. But, uh, you know, I also tell people, quite frankly, Martin, I'll say, here's my thoughts. I tell the truth as I understand it all the time, but I'm not the market. I don't decide. I can't, you know, read people's minds and I don't know what You know, a single buyer might pay given a circumstance that I can't foresee. So that's why we really look at the properties and try to understand what our strengths and weaknesses are and promote those strengths and try to attract that very top buyer based on that. And I have people say, hey, John, you know, I like you. I I think you're going to do a good job for me. Why don't we try this price? And if they want to try a price that's higher. Uh, in a market that's a little bit uncertain, you know, I've got no problem with that as long as I think it's within the realm of, you know, of, of workability, that it that it can work and produce a good result. But I will tell my client, I'll say, Hey, let's let's monitor every single viewing. Let's see how many viewings we get, we get, let's follow them up and find out what those buyers are doing. Are you interested in writing an offer on this property? Is there anything you have concerns or questions? Are you looking for a second viewing? And, uh, you know, if you're getting favorable responses to that, you're probably in the success zone. But if you're getting responses that are like, no, we're not interested, Uh, we're going to go buy a bigger house or a house on a less busy street or a house with more parking or a basement suite, uh, you know, or a condo that's got a view as opposed to, you know, what you offer, then it's, you know, you start to wonder, hey, are we really going to be successful here? And in a market like this, you don't want to sit too long. So initially, pricing well is very important. But if you want to try, you know, something um, and see if it's successful, there's no, not necessarily any harm in that as long as you pay attention to what the market says to that price and that strategy and make adjustments accordingly.
1: Mm -hmm. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. We're talking to John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. JohnnySmartpoint.com is the website. If you go to his website, You can get all the information you need. Uh, You can also give John a call, 604 uh, 604 612 0080, or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, if you're just thinking that you might like to get into the market and sell a property, uh, talk to John because we talk to his clients all the time uh, here on this show. And they always say they they don't feel rushed. And uh, the process is often uh, you talk to John and you figure out when you want to sell. It doesn't have to be right away. So uh, go to johnnysmartpoint.com. And when we come back, we're going to delve a little deeper into these numbers about the market and uh, find out what's out there and see what kind of new listings John has on his website, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this.
0: This is a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser the opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW
1: welcome back i'm martin strong and on vancouver consumer this afternoon we're talking to our friend john carlson johnny smart point you can find him online johnnysmartpoint.com it's j o h n n y smartpoint.com you can also give john a call 604 612 Zero zero eight zero. He's always got his phone at the ready. Six one two zero zero eight zero, and you can also send him an email: john at johnnysmartpoint dot com. And John, we've been talking about how traditionally uh, the dog days of summer, late July and August, can be kind of slow, but you you've been uh, pretty busy these past few weeks.
2: You know, I've actually uh, been close to as busy as I've been, you know, in many years in my career, which is, which is great. I, I tend to keep quite busy. In fact, there might be a couple of listeners out there saying, Hey, I met you this last week and I haven't heard back from you yet regarding my evaluation. So if that's the case, give me another day or two. But, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I, I'm counting up it. It's probably, you know, a dozen listings that I've had. And I, I tend to be a listing agent, Martin, the buyers that I work with, uh, are the buyers are the people whose homes I've sold. Because mm-hmm. I focus on helping people position to sell and negotiating prices on the sale, uh, first and foremost, that's just my business model. Some other agents like to have mostly buyers and show properties, and so I do both. But um, I think I've had about a dozen listings within the last what six, seven, eight weeks that have sold, and and that's been a you know a very busy time, and it's been really, really interesting because um, you know I, I really you you get a feel when you're a listing agent. Um, you hear from all kinds of different buyer's agents. You hear about feedback and then especially in the offer process. Uh, you know, I had one recently and, and, you know, maybe this is a good time to to bring up uh, one of my, this is my most recent sale uh, because a lot of the elements we're talking about really are, are present in, in this particular one. And I want to congratulate Peter and Sandra. Uh, if you go to my website, you'll see it may be gone now or showing as sold, but this is a house on East 37th and, um, Uh, you know, at Windsor. And it's a nice, it's a corner lot with a lot of frontage, a a shallow backyard, but we had good square footage and a lot of frontage. And I, when I went to see this property for the first time about a year ago, uh, they had heard me on this program, Martin. So thanks again. Uh, And we (laughs) talked about at that time, you know, maybe putting the house on the market, it wasn't quite right. Well now, you know, a few weeks ago it was right. And so we'd been in touch and we updated our evaluation and we talked a little bit about, you know, the market's changing and timing and what their situation was. And these are people that had been there since the house was new. And uh, I thought it was a great situation for them because, you know, when they sell, they will be a cash buyer. They won't have to worry about financing and they're going to hit the market as buyers with cash in their pocket, time on their side and, um, you know, be kind of king in the market in in that way without having to worry about financing approval. But I want to congratulate them. It went, I think this one went fantastic. Peter couldn't be on the program today. So I'll talk about it a little bit. Uh in this situation, we knew our advantages. We were very clear that we had a big frontage lot in a very good location, right on you know the bike path, great walk score, close to the schools. We had a sweetheart location. And as a result of that, we put the price up higher than you know some of the other listings in the area. And and I I won't name names or addresses, but there were a couple of homes in particular that had assessed values significantly higher than us, like probably six figures higher and bigger homes with very similar sized lots, but they didn't quite offer that same locational advantage that we had. And again, we had that frontage and we thought, if somebody ever wants to make this into a side-by-side duplex, it's perfect because you've got parking, you've got, you know, it's not one of those awkward type situations where you're cramming two places into a little skinny lot. So with that in mind, we priced it a little bit high. Uh, well, not high, but on the high end of what was reasonable. And of course, you know, right off the bat, we started getting viewings and people kind of threw some offers at us that were significantly lower than, you know, than what we wanted. Um, But in the process, we managed to get a multiple offer situation within about the first, I guess, week to 10 days. And uh, we got a deal together and it was subject to an inspection and financing and that sort of thing. And of course, we were told, hey, everything's great. We're rock solid financing, everything." Well, here's something that we should maybe touch on. The rescission period has created a little bit of a different scenario nowadays. And if the listeners are familiar, a rescission period says that if you go in with an unconditional offer, you can still retract that offer and walk away from a, from a firm, unconditional deal within three business days. And the downside would be to a buyer's you have to pay uh, one quarter of a percent of the of the accepted price as a penalty. <clears throat> so what agents are doing now wisely is they're writing uh, subject removal, uh, you know, with some conditions four business days after. So they don't have to pay any penalty. But in this case, we had a very quick subject removal. It was four days. And on the fourth day, they kind of said, well, you know, we walked through and we changed our mind. This house needs a renovation. We're just basically going to walk. And I said to my clients, and and this is important for listeners to know, a deal is not over in this market until you've got a firm sale and a big fat deposit that's going to hold people accountable and they don't walk away. So nothing's ever done until it's done. And in this case, it was pretty disappointing. And we thought, well, you know what? we still got a good situation. Let's carry forward. Then we had another situation where we had a multiple offer, just two offers. And, you know, I won't say too much, but there's a little bit of skill and strategy in curating, you know, a multiple offer situation rather than having one come and expire and the next one the next day. Sometimes you can arrange for them both to be open at the same time. And that's, that's a good thing if you can do it. So in this case, you know, we, we did get our, our multiple and we got another offer. And quite frankly, this one was even better. And we thought this is wonderful. And we went through the process of, you know, the subject removals with inspection and everything went well. But here's another important note about this one. On this second offer, the buyer said, hey, we're prepared to pay a really good price, but we need to complete the process, the, the sale quicker than you would like. And so we, my sellers and I had discussions about you know can we find a house in time for you if not do you have a backup plan because the numbers look really good on this sale and the whole reason for that Martin was that the buyer said John if we don't complete by this date we can't afford the house anymore because we lose our rate guarantee so here we are back into the rate wow. discussion so <laughs> that was a great sale and then you know we got it through together the inspection went well and then we got the deposit we got the subject removal and it was just a great moment for Peter and Sandra and I we were all very happy and I consider that to be a a fantastic sale but it, it illustrates the fact that you got to fight for your money right now nothing's ever over until it's over with this rescission period and that sort of thing going on and you know interest rate holds are something that the market has to you know consider right now so timing is also important so that one i was very happy again i want to congratulate peter Sandra. fantastic people to work with they were in that house for what was it 46 years something like that and when it wow. came time to sell they called me and we did a great job and again congratulations
1: Wow. Another reason why you want Johnny Smart Point on your side. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. The phone number 604-612-0080. 612-0080. And uh, yeah, really a good example of why you need an experienced uh, realtor on your side, not just because of all the you know, the complications of these deals you were talking about, and you really need to know how to navigate through, you know, multiple offers and all that stuff. But also you mentioned how you valued the house. If you didn't really know what you were doing, you just looked at the assessed value of the house. Like you say, there were some others that were assessed higher, but you had the sense that there are certain advantages to that house that are worth money that the assessment doesn't take into account. So statistics, are are not always the be all and end all.
2: That's a great point, Martin. You know, very well said. And and tax assessed values are, can be a, a good guide. If you're looking at units in a townhouse or row house development or condo development, they're based on unit entitlement and the assessment generally would reflect, you know, the unit entitlement uh, size and amenity and that sort of thing, but not necessarily condition. When it comes to detached houses, assessments can be all over the place and so they're not accurate guides and statistics again tell part of the story but but not all the story Um, and and you know what that leads me to another one actually martin if i have a moment Um, i want to congratulate tony and angela we just had conditions removed on their sale and this one was out in uh, morris valley road in lake eric and interestingly this one dragged out a while because out in those markets there's not quite the same demand if you will as there might be in, in east vancouver in terms of the number of buyers But, um, you know, when we listed their property, we looked at one that was across the street that had sold earlier in the year. And that house was nine years newer. It was about the same size. Uh, It backed onto Greenbelt and we didn't. um, And it had a triple garage and we had a double. But, you know, we looked again. What are our strengths? We had a more usable yard. We had a sunroom. We had fantastic condition inside. So the decision was made to list at the same price, knowing that buyers had very few choices in that area. Well, to get to the point, we had an offer come in that was subject to the sale of another house and, um, you know, great agent on that side. I won't name her, but she's fantastic. I worked with her in the past when I worked many years ago at another company and she got the job done. However, it wasn't necessarily straightforward because we got that good news, bad news call within about, you know, four weeks of taking this subject to sale offer. Now, we had an out to deal with other offers, but we didn't get any. And uh, this agent called me and said, hey, good news, John. We got somebody that wants to buy our house here and we we'll, we can put a deal together. But, you know, the market's a bit weaker and we're not getting quite what we want. So if you drop your price 25000 we can drop our price 25000 We can put a deal together. So, again, I'm not a decision maker, but I talked to my sellers, gave them some advice. The decision was, no, we're going to hold firm on our price. So that happened to work. And then we got another little hiccup. Uh, well, John, you know, the dates that we've negotiated with you, that'll give you time to go and look for a new place. These guys buying our house, again, interest rate holds, they have to complete sooner. So how can we do this? And, and, and in the end, you know, Martin, this is, and this is where negotiating really comes in and understanding your leverage situation. We were in a position where we had all the leverage, given that these buyers were kind of committed to selling. And long story short, we arranged for a completion at the end of August, And my client stayed in the house, in their house free, rent-free, until close to the end of September, just to make the dates work out, because again, the buyers at the far end of the chain had an interest rate guarantee hold that would expire and they wouldn't be able to afford the house anymore. So this brings back into, the, into play, there's, we're looking at subject to sale offers are back in the market, we're looking at deadlines with financing, we're looking at people trying to renegotiate, you know, accepted offers sometimes based on the fact that they're not getting the results they want. And I'm happy to say, congratulations, Tony and Angela, we kept uh, the price where it was, we got the conditions removed just a few days ago. And again, there's an interesting sale that just is kind of timely that gives you a feel for the kind of things that you may go through when you're on the market in a changing environment like this.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you have an experienced agent on your side, I guess a lot of it is communication with the the selling agent or the buying agent, the other agent. It's important that there's a good relationship there and that you can work together. And
2: yeah, a good relationship is is important. And I think, but you know, just as important, if not more importantly, is How effectively can you communicate the position of your client to the other party and understand the situation that you're in and understand your leverage position? So you don't have to have a good relationship. It certainly helps. But knowing (laughs) what your leverage is and being able to communicate that is also very important.
1: Right. That's why you want Johnny Smart Point on your side. John Carlson, just go to johnnysmartpoint.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, smartpoint.com. The phone number is 604-612-0080, 612-0080. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder to remember. 612-0080. And you can also uh, send John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, John, uh, I know you're, you're really busy, so uh, enjoy the rest of this long weekend, and uh, we will talk to you very soon.
2: Yes, looking forward to being back again. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it very much.
1: Right on. John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint, johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it's like Airbnb for your car. So how comfortable would you be renting out your car to a complete stranger? I've got that story when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this.
0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And by now, most of us have gotten used to the idea of Airbnb staying in someone's home instead of a hotel. Usually you get the house or the apartment all to yourself, but sometimes you could actually be staying in a room in a house where other people are also living. Many people have discovered it's a great way to make extra money by renting out their home to total strangers. And while there are the odd horror stories about people trashing the place, most experiences with being an Airbnb host seem to be positive. But would you do the same thing? with your car. Because that's a thing now. It's just like Airbnb for cars. You sign up and rent out your car and it's starting to take off. Turo is the name you hear most here in Canada, but it won't be for long. There are others in the peer-to-peer car sharing space, including Uber, which is just ramping up their car sharing service. You can list your car for free on Turo. And then pay the company a 25% commission when you do rent it out. That commission covers insurance and all the other marketing expenses that Turo provides. The price of renting from a service is more like renting from Hertz or Avis and less like a car share service like Evo, when you borrow a car just to get from point A to part, point B. One of the advantages of car sharing for the customer is the choice. With more and more people signing up, you can usually find any kind of vehicle you want from an old junker even to a state-of-the-art electric vehicle. For example, Turo has a big supply of Teslas and they say many customers actually are renting the Teslas just to try them out before they buy one as if it's an extended test drive. They take it out for a weekend or something. One of the disadvantages for the customer who is renting is that they often have to travel a little bit to get the car because the person renting it is usually a private person. Unlike the big car rental places, which usually have cars for you right there at the airport. And you usually have a lot of choice when it comes to places to drop them off. Sometimes you can even drop them off in a different city. But so far, customers are responding to the choice of these car sharing services. And since COVID, many of the car rental places, the big ones, have been struggling with a lack of supply. They just don't have enough cars to rent. For the person renting out their own personal car, it can be lucrative. The average monthly income is $732. A month. That's the average. And it all depends on how fancy your car is because you can make a lot more. So it's not surprising that other companies are planning to get in on the action. As I say, Uber plans to launch a peer-to-peer service later this year in Toronto called Uber Car Share. That's after they bought out an Australian-based car share network, Car Next Door last year. There have been a lot of bumps on the way, though. Uh, Turo was uh, pretty much banned from New York until last year for reasons relating to the state's insurance laws. And a lot of companies have tried in the space before and have failed. In recent years, Car2Go, General Motors, Maven, Hertz Connect and U-Haul car share all shut down or left North America altogether. So if you have a car that you wouldn't mind letting others drive, you might try a car sharing service. I rented a car through Turo last year when I was in Montreal, and it was pretty convenient, though I have to admit it was strange dealing with the actual owner of the car. I could tell he was very nervous about leaving his baby with a total stranger like me. I felt a little pressure. I didn't really like it. Usually when you're at the desk of Avis or Hertz, you just hand them the keys back. And as long as there's not like a dead body in the trunk, they're usually pretty cool and you're on your way. But either way, I'm Martin Strong and this is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, the number of bankruptcies in Canada is up. And good news for Canadian Swifties. I've got that story along with the other Consumer News of the Week when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.